Hello, I'm Tori Archbold. For two decades, I've nurtured the world's top performing retail brands and celebrities. Now I'm asking entrepreneurs, CEOs and influencers to share their own secrets to success, their highs, their lows, their game-changing moments, and how they got to where they are today. It's a podcast equivalent of opening the best little black book of contacts ever. If this resonates with you and you're ready to step outside your comfort zone and into your power zone, I invite you to join my exclusive community via our website, powerful-steps.com. with the courageous and fearless and what a lot of people describe as one of the best business coaches in the world. Welcome, Kemi. Hi, lovely to be here, Tori. Kemi has this big smile on her face. So we are in the power zone about to deep dive into a great conversation because you've had an extraordinary story. And I often say that people like you and I who have gone through a lot of trauma, a lot of life experiences, are able to shine a light for others. And that is the power of our story. And I love the fact that you took ownership of yours and it's helping to transform lives. So what I would like to kick off is, how did you learn about choice at a young age and how did that experience empower you to become the woman that everyone wants to connect with today? We actually all have incredible stories, but I'm more than happy to share mine. So people will probably hear from my voice that I'm English. I have been in Australia now for 17 years, so I am starting to to say things like water without a T. But anyway, but I was born in England and I was one of many Nigerian children of middle class families that were fostered in England. So in the 60s, 70s and 80s in Nigeria, a lot of well-to-do families thought that the best thing for their children was to have an English education. Now, at that time, that style of fostering actually wasn't legal. And so it kind of relied on trust and an honesty system of which some people were trustworthy and some people weren't. It meant that from the age of two weeks to the age of 13, I had five primary carers growing up. So my experience growing up as a child was one very much of instability. I felt powerless all of the time. I was told either by society or through some of the families that I was with, that I was a black one, but a good one. So then for me, I talk a lot about being a good girl. So then when you add on that level of being, having to be a good black girl and all the connotations around that. So I definitely, you know, spent the first few years of my life feeling incredibly powerless. And then at 13 years old, I arrived on what would be my last foster parent's doorstep. I had two plastic bags of my belongings. And the next morning, my foster mum said to me, look, we need to buy you things. You, you, you know, we need to buy you clothes. We, we need to buy you underwear because I'd been living on friends' floors. My foster parent before then had been evicted and my sister and I were homeless. So we weren't on the streets, but we were just sleeping on friends, you know, just very kind parents of friends from school sofas until they said, you know, actually, we, we kind of can't do this anymore. So we all moved around a lot. So I arrived with two plastic bags of my belongings that next day. My foster mum took me out to Marks and Spencer's, which is still one of my favourite shops in the whole world. And Sue asked me, my foster mum asked me, what colour knickers do you want? What colour underwear do you want? And I just remember the rest of Marks and Spencer's didn't slow down for people. But something happened in that moment for me because she had to repeat herself a few times. And I just remember staring blankly at her. And she said again in a much firmer tone, Kemi, do you want the pink knickers or the multicoloured ones? And I just froze because I suddenly realized she's asking me to choose. She actually wants my opinion about what I want, 
and what I need. And I remember in that moment thinking, if this is what choice feels like, and I wouldn't have had the word empowerment at the time, but now I know that's what it was, the empowerment to choose. I remember just thinking, whatever this feeling is, I do not want to let go of it. And I've been choosing ever since. Oh, that is just so brilliant because I think a lot of people can relate to this where you're put in circumstances where you have no choice, but then when it's presented to you, it's like, okay, what road are you going to take? So you then understood the power of choice. What did you do next? Oh, then I went crazy. Then I was just like, right, <laughs> now I want all the things. Multicolored, colour, what was it yeah, going to exactly, be? <laughs> exactly. Well, I need to let everyone know that I did go for the multicolored. I'm not. I'm actually not a pink girl, so I went for the multicolored because I don't want people to be wondering about that until they're grave. Uh, my foster mum was a careers teacher, so I was coming up to the point of looking at what is it I wanted to do, and I remember saying to her, I want to be a fashion designer, I want to be an actor, I want to be a baker, I want to be a chef. Like I was just choosing all of the things. But from there, I actually did go to bakery college. I've always loved food. From bakery college, I then did some chefing. I actually worked as a chef on and off for 17 years in between going to drama school. I went to a drama school to get into drama school. And so I spent five years at drama school altogether, method acting, you know, very much the deep, you know, the deep, deep stuff, which I love because that form of acting is tapping into what is it in you that would have you, I don't know, you know, extreme kill someone, not putting on this idea of, oh, this is what a killing, this is what a murderer is. It's like, what in you would do that? And I think for those of us that are mothers, you know, we can kind of tap into that maybe, you know, that there are things that we know that we have the capability of doing. So I love being able to explore the human experience through drama. And then I left drama school and within a week of leaving drama school, I had three auditions. One was for a local community theatre. One was for a new TV show that was going to be launched in in the UK and one was for like a little indie film. And I remember my agent saying to me, look, you're not going to get the TV because you've been out of drama school a week, but it's going to be a fantastic audition for experience. I wanted to do the community theatre because I was very much into social justice. You know, that drama can be very powerful in changing people's mindsets around certain issues. Um, And the indie film, I didn't really mind, whatever. I got the TV series, which meant that I was on British TV in a lead role three and a half years. By the end of that series, I was also writing my own role for the last six months, which was great fun. And then I went from there actually to the Royal Shakespeare Company. In between, I did a film with Colin Firth in the south of France, which was very, very nice, the south of France and Colin Firth. And from there, I went to the National Theatre But it was interesting because when I was in the Royal Shakespeare Company, which I loved, I still love Shakespeare, I love living in Stratford-upon-Avon, I realised that although I enjoyed acting, it was fun, I just knew it wasn't what I was here to do. And what was also clear for me, and, and some of your listeners may resonate with this or even may need to hear this, is that I didn't really have any idea what I was supposed to do, but I knew it wasn't that. And yet I waited. I stayed in acting for 18 months until I became really unhappy because I was very much pulled into what other people wanted for me. I was pulled into this idea that I should be grateful for what I had because people would kill to have, you know, I was traveling around the world. I was was working with one of the world's most respected theater companies. I was earning a fantastic wage. I had incredible experiences and opportunities, met, you know, wonderful people. And yet I knew there was something else for me. And so, you know, I did wait until I was unhappy, until I moved. And I don't regret that because I do believe our story is our story and what presents is what's supposed to present. 
so then I remember going in for my final opportunity for acting. Actually, my agent had called me. I'd gone for a few auditions and it was a big opportunity. I was being offered, I'd gone in for a role as an actor within a comedy, new TV comedy show. And it was called Four Non-Blondes. So it was four black females doing comedy skits. I'd gone into audition and we did some improvisation and I have always loved improvisation. And by the end of a couple of those sessions, I said, look, would you mind writing some of these scripts? It went from there to how do you feel about directing some of these things? By the time we'd got to kind of final choice, the contract was that I would be one of the first black actors in England to have a writing, directing and performing contract. My agent called me and said, this is huge. You are going to start, you know, filming in a week. And I had just been to the pub that night to meet a man that a friend recommended. It's funny, Tori, it's like maybe you're, you're with your coffee dates. I met this man in a pub through a contact and he said to me, I need a chef to come and work in Thailand. There's no pay, but you'll have your accommodation. And I want you to teach Thai chefs how to cook European food to a high standard and you get your board, board and food. That's it. And I got home. The message was from my agent about this amazing contract with the TV station. And we had answering machines in those days. And I remember listening to her message on the answer machine and I remember just thinking, I'm going to Thailand because I knew that was my crossroad. It wasn't as if it was one contract from one TV co company and another contract from another TV company. I was having to choose, you know, where do I want to move to to do the filming or how long is it or how much money? They were so different. It was a bloke you've met in a pub who's not going to pay you to do anything <laughs> or, you know, this kind of very well sort of respected idea of what a successful actor could be. And I went for the for the bloke in the pub. And the synchronicity of that is that I met my husband there. <laughs> That's incredible. In Thailand. Trusting your gut instinct. Talk to me about what that feels like for you. I had my first experience of trusting what I call divine downloads. So I feel like either I feel something in my body or I feel something coming from the right side of my head. And it feels like it comes, it's not from in me, it comes from outside of me. When I was 16 years old, I was incredibly unhappy. I'd just arrived at my fifth set of foster parents. I was overweight. I had been eating a lot to kind of protect myself from what was going on around me. I felt like I had no control in my life. All I could control was going into my mouth. And that was what I did. And I remember looking in the mirror, all of my friends had, had boyfriends. They were all, you know, sort of blonde and thin. And so I was, my experience was just one of not belonging, not being beautiful, just having no control in my life, just things were not going well. And I looked in the mirror at physical education class and I could see all my friends behind me kind of getting changed and chatting. And I just had this kind of divine download come in that just said, if you compare yourself to anyone else, you are never going to be happy. And Tori, I can tell you that that was one of the most powerful messages I have ever received in my life which still plays out now in business because when people say what's your competition who's your competition I think I don't have any competition no one's lived my life no one's me no one's experienced what I've experienced in the same way that I've not experienced what anyone else has experienced and so for me that gave me so much freedom I think because I suffered so much from comparing myself that when I let and I did I let it go in that moment it was just gone and suddenly it was like okay so who do you want to be as Kemi? And that's what my focus has been since then. Now, from Colin Firth to Brene Brown, I've got a little crush on Brene, I have to say. I think she's amazing. I think she's incredible. How did your paths cross? So once again, actually, it was a little bit of a divine download. So I read, like I'm sure many of your listeners have read Dare to Lead. I'm not on my emails at the weekend at all. 
And I think I was in the garden. I'm a big gardener. And I was thinking about Dare to Lead and the book and what I'd read and was processing what I'd read in there. And the divine download just said, go and check the Dare to Lead website. I had no idea there was a Dare to Lead website. I just assumed there was. I went and checked and it basically said, we are going to be training a small group of facilitators from around the world that can facilitate this work. You need to apply within three days. I think I had three days or something like that. And I thought, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And I got my gardening stuff off and sat down and started applying. And there were quite a high criteria that we had to, you know, we had to jump through a few hoops to get there. And um, Brene had sort of said to us when we got there, none of you are here by accident. We know you inside out. We know exactly who you are and you're here for a reason. So get any imposter syndrome that you may have out of your head right now so we can do the work. And so I started filling it in. But about a day after, I suddenly had my version of there are going to be thousands of people from around the world that are applying for this. Why am I going to be the one that's going to be chosen to do this? You know, maybe you should just let this go. And then I just thought, actually, all of this work is about getting in the arena and being vulnerable and not knowing and taking a chance. And I thought, what well, Brene would want you to get in the arena. So I got in the arena and, yeah, then I received the email that I had been selected to go and train in Texas, you know, before the world closed down. So it was an amazing program, Brene. You know, she is someone that I respect highly because she is everything she presents to be. You know, she is someone of very, very high integrity. She takes her work and her research very, very seriously, expects high standards from herself and for all of us that are facilitating her work. It's 20 years of her life, this this work around leadership and, you know, how we get to show up as humans. So, you know, it's such an honor to be part of the Dare to Lead alumni and to have the webinars with Brene when we do to look at the curriculum and how they're being updated. And she's really open, like you said, about feedback. She's really open to get getting feedback from us around what's working as we facilitate the program with individuals and with teams and organizations. So it is an absolute privilege. I can even tell you now it is a privilege of my life to be able to facilitate this work. Mm, it's incredible. What would be the cornerstone of her message that has been transformational for you and the women and men that you coach? I think when I finished the Dare to Lead book, or maybe even within the first few pages, what was very clear to me as a woman of colour who was a leader, she had suddenly written a book that validated that the way that I led was enough, that you know, the kind of model that most of us have been shown, the kind of patriarchal white male model that so many women have tried to fit in and men. It doesn't work for men either. That's the thing. Um, you know, patriarchy is a system. It's not about men. It's a system. And men can also don't benefit from that system. It was validating to read. It was like, OK, so I can show up as who I am. And if I'm willing to have brave conversations and I'm learning and I'm willing to learn about trust and my own sense of responsibility and ownership and my shame stories, whatever they are, and I'm willing to show up as a human, that can be enough to lead. There are skill sets that we need to learn along the way, but I can lead if I choose to lead. It was very affirming and very exciting for me. What ritual can you share with us about anchoring yourself to nature and the power of nature to propel yourself forward? You know, it's a really interesting thing. I think within the pandemic, what's been really interesting, I would say I'm in Melbourne, so I'm in the city that's had the longest lockdown in the whole world. You know, I am someone that I have a lot of practices. I'm an optimist. I, I'm very hopeful, all of those things. And yet about two and a half months ago, I could feel myself feeling incredibly low. And I went out into the garden and the first blossoms on the cherry tree had started to come out. And I just suddenly realized, I went, oh, oh my gosh, spring is coming. It's a season. 
Things are going to change right now in lockdown. It's a season. Things are going to change. And just making that connection to nature, I was like, I'm good. And one thing that I did as well through lockdown within my communities, I started something called the Delight Diaries. And I was sharing with people what was bringing delight, you know, that you can have really low days and still there can be a moment of delight where you see a butterfly on your letterbox or, you know, you hear a child laughing or someone makes you laugh. And I was asking people to share that with me. Then I was resharing. And it was amazing how many people's moments of delight were around nature, you know, walking with my child in silence in the park, taking my shoes off as I walked on grass. We are connected to nature. We go through seasons. We go through transformations. And I think one of the biggest disservices we do to ourselves, especially as women, because we go through more kind of transitions in some ways than men do, is to ignore them. That is the biggest disservice we do because if we ignore them, we don't tap into the opportunities we have to actually grow and change and shift and let go of what no longer works and create the future that we want to step into. So for people listening and they're trying to understand about gut instinct, grounding yourself, tell them how the little whispers of wisdom come down and how they too can tap into their intuition. Intuition is such an interesting thing because I do believe that we all have it, but I also believe that it's been trained out of a lot of us. And when my husband and I were raising our children, we actually decided to not do stranger danger with them for that reason. When we first moved to Melbourne, we didn't want to get a car. We thought we're just going to do public transport. I would speak to a lot of strangers. Some of the best conversations I would have would be with strangers. And you'd understand this with your coffee dates. And the children would be part of that and strangers would talk to them. And I just didn't want them to grow up thinking that everyone they didn't know was going to harm them or that everyone that they didn't know they had to keep a distance from in some way. And I wanted them to be able to tap into their own intuition about people. And they have that. They're not afraid of people. And so for me, I think it's when we have that intuition, when I work with clients, and most of my clients are female, we generally have that feeling, but then something else comes in. So I always talk about, you know, that we think in three centers. We think with our gut, we think with our heart, and we think with our head. Depending on who we are and our experiences and how much personal development work we've got, either we walk around in our heads, and there are certain industries and certain professions where people are paid to be in their head. So example, my husband is a human rights barrister. He's paid to be in his head, but also he has a very big heart. Otherwise, he couldn't do the work that he does. But sometimes he has to remember, you know, to kind of bring it from the head back down, you know, into his gut. And when I work with people that are sort of very mind focused, I'm always asking them, okay, what does your heart say? Okay, so your head says that, what does your heart say? I think we can get a physiological sign from our gut, like it tenses or we get butterflies, but then we, our head takes over straight away and says, no, no, that's ridiculous. So you feel that sense of it's time for me to leave this job now. You know, it's time for me to start my own business. It's time for me to leave this relationship. It's time for me to take off and do my own thing for a little bit. And yet the head will say, that's ridiculous. Who do you think you are? It's going to fail. You don't know how to do that. What's your mum going to say or your dad going to say? But I invite people to actually just sit with that feeling for a little bit longer and get curious about it before the head takes over. Brilliant advice. What is in store for you in 2022? I know it's going to be big. What is the game plan? There are two things that I'm equally excited about. One is that I am launching my third book with Penguin Random House, and it's about women and power. So I very much look forward to sharing that with you, Tori, when the time is right. Fingers crossed, pandemic pending, that I will be able to do a book tour in March of next year. So that's incredibly exciting. And the other thing is that my husband and I, we bought a farm in November last year. 
And my next kind of exciting step is to create a micro organic flower farm here in Victoria at our farm. I just know I want to bring beauty into the world through flowers that the world, you know, in this really challenging time, the world can never have enough beauty. I think beauty and delight are incredibly important. And so I am now embarking on this journey of becoming a flower farmer. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, I'm just making it up as I go along, learning from people that have been before me and loving every single moment of the journey. I love this. And I love the fact that you said learning from people that have gone before me because you are now that person for so many, but it's so good and it's such a reminder to all of us that we are also following in the footsteps of others. Everyone has that opportunity, right, to shine a light. And there have been so many layers to this conversation. And I just wanna say thank you to my community and yours for just putting your name out there. You have to connect with Kemi because this conversation has set my heart on fire and it's just been so insightful. You have such a soulful connection that you are propelling others forward, empowering them, allowing them to take really powerful steps. And I just wanted to say thank you. Tori, it's been an absolute pleasure. I cannot believe the conversation has finished already. I look forward to us meeting in real life one day. And thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. And you know what? Flowers are my secret sauce because in my ups and downs throughout life, I never, ever gave up on my weekly trip to the market to get flowers because honestly, they, they light your life up. And I said to my daughter when we we're going through our hard times, that's the one thing that we're not doing without. Thanks, Kemi. Thank you for being here with me today. I trust that you enjoyed listening to yet another powerful story. Sometimes we can forget just how incredible we are as women and how important it is to support each other. I would absolutely love for you to take a moment to review the podcast and help support the show. You can also take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your social media. Be sure to tag me at Powerful Steps on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out too. I truly believe in women supporting women. Enjoy your day and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Much love, Tori. Tori.